Have you ever wondered what the heck is next for me? I hear a lot of women say they don't have what it takes to start something new or they are too old, but many women overcome all kinds of obstacles and then go on to something even better. Over the years, I've worked a lot of traditional jobs as well as direct sales businesses, but never realized the success I was hoping for until I released my emotional baggage. Once I had cracked the code of my emotions, I knew I could help other women do the same. Join us here as we chat with female experts as they share their inspirational stories and challenges in business and life, because it is never too late. I'm your host, Cora Naylor, and this is the Crack the Code podcast. Welcome everybody back to the Crack the Code podcast. I'm Cora Naylor, and today we've got with us Joy Imboden Overstreet, who is a health educator whose work focuses on living more intentionally and more in touch with our own internal resources. Back in 1975, after years of obsessing about her weight, she gave up dieting and devised an experiential process to heal herself. Out of that personal success, she created the revolutionary workshop program, Thin Within, which became hugely popular in the San Francisco Bay Area. Her recent book, The Cherry Pie Paradox, The Surprising Path to Diet Freedom and Lasting Weight Loss, is based on that program. Joy has a master's degree in public health from the University of California, Berkeley. Her articles and essays have appeared in many national publications, including the New York Times, Working Mother, and Kaiser Health News. So welcome, Joy. Thank you, Cora. It's a delight to be here with you. I'm excited to talk to you. I know we've had a little chat earlier, but I think the listeners are really going to benefit from what you have to offer today. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited. We're going to kind of go back in time because you've been on this project for a long time. Uh, Originally, like you said, we began in 1975 with your Thin within. So maybe you can give us a little bit of background. Um, what were your struggles before that? What inspired you to even start your Thin Within program? Well, I started my Thin Within program as a an outgrowth of healing myself because I had been struggling with diets all my young life at that point. And after my husband died very young, I was left with a couple of our two small children and a lot of very unpleasant feelings. grief, anxiety, shame, fear, terror, everything. And so my solution was to eat and then to obsess about my weight. I mean, and I spent so much time obsessing about my weight and what I was going to eat and what I wasn't going to eat and so forth that my children were suffering from neglect. I mean, it was really, it was, it was an awful time and it was a time during which I was so ashamed of being worried about my weight when I had a lot more to be concerned about, like how I was going to be a single parent, how I was going to raise kids financially and without the companionship of my husband, so many things. And at that point, I was so desperate, I thought of killing myself, which seems extreme, and it was extreme. And I fortunately came to my senses and realized that if I did that, my kids would be orphans and that was not what I wanted. And so the only alternative was to quit dieting because it was the dieting that was making me so crazy. 
And um, at the same time, I had a friend who advised me that perhaps the best way to deal with my concerns about my weight was to actually confront it, to actually experience the feelings I was having. And it seems very obvious today, we do a lot of facing our feelings, but mm -hmm. I that was not that was not part of the language back then. And so I decided to basically face my dragons. And I started by keeping track of what I was eating because I knew that I was lying to myself about how much I was eating. In fact, I was eating all day long uh, and then obsessing all night long. Started writing down all those thoughts and the foods and all that stuff and began to get an idea of where my issues were. And then shortly after I started this, I went to have breakfast with a friend. I actually was, didn't, it was set up not for breakfast, but to have her watch my kids so I could just sort of pull myself together. And she invited me to have breakfast with her. And her breakfast was cherry pie. And uh -huh. she had just baked a beautiful cherry pie. And I, of course, was not dieting, but I was also not eating cherry pie. And so I refused the pie and watched her salivating as she ate. And then halfway through the piece of pie, she patted her stomach and said, you know what? I'm full. And she scraped the half of the piece into the garbage can, which blew my mind. I just, the idea of throwing away a perfectly good piece of pie, I mean, food of any sort. I mean, I was a member of the Clean Plate Club. That was, yes. that was the thing. The post-war thing was the Clean Plate Club. So I looked at her and I looked at the pie and I thought to myself that she knew something that I didn't know because Carol was very slim and some people called her bird-like. So I decided that perhaps I was studying or approaching my weight problem from the wrong side. I was perhaps I could learn instead of from fat people who were the ones who were concocting all the diets to learning from people who never even thought of dieting. So I started following around people and watching them eat and asking them about it, what they ate and why they ate it. I mean, I, all people of all sizes, because one of the things I realized soon was that many people who look slim are actually fat inside. And I was one of those people. I looked relatively slim, but my head was fat no matter what I weighed. I was always worried. And what I really wanted was to not just look thin on the outside, but to feel thin on the inside, which is how I came to call the program Thin Within. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it turned out to be a process that helped me free myself completely. I mean, I haven't dieted or even thought worried about my weight in 40 years. Not at all. It's just gone. But anyway, I created a program that was experiential. It was not fact-based at all. It was experiential. It was based on people's ability to discern their own hunger levels and get in touch with their bodies, to get in touch with the food and actually be present to taste every bite and to be in touch with the stories they were telling. So it was three parts, the, the body awareness, the food awareness, and the story awareness. And by stories, I mean excuses, I mean beliefs, anything that we use to rationalize our behavior. 
Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's so much emotion with food and like I deal with that with uh, the emotion code too, with food cravings. We don't even know why we're doing certain things. And often with food items, it's from our childhood or even in the womb that we're inheriting, absorbing these emotions. So it's really cool that you started picking up on that back in the seventies, because in those days, like you say, it wasn't talked about as much, or it was definitely not the norm. Everyone was looking for the diets and what's the next latest and greatest. So kudos to you for, for figuring that out. It was desperation, (laughs) you know, and the other, I mean, I came to realize that the diets are band-aids that they basically cover the problem and don't resolve it. And I wanted to rip off the band-aid uh, as uncomfortable as it was. But it turned out that it was more fun than I expected, that learning about myself and the members of the groups that I led, we had a blast. I mean, the stories that we told were, they seemed very reasonable when we told them to ourselves, but when we shared them in a group, it's like, oh, huh, that that seems pretty bogus to me. (laughs) So by the time 1980 rolled around, I had pretty much resolved my weight problem. The business seemed to be going very well. And I I left to go to grad school and move on to other things because I was no longer concerned about my weight. (laughs) And anyway, so that's the Thin Within story. It took me years, 40 years to write the book, The Cherry Pie Paradox, because other things just sort of got in the way. And then I was approaching my 80th birthday. And I thought, well, if I don't do it now, if I don't fulfill this promise that I made to myself 40 years ago, it's not going to happen. And I felt that the process that we went through that we over the course of a couple of months of workshops was unique in that it was very experientially based the entire time. And we talked about things that most programs still don't talk about. So anyway, I felt I had to write the book to help those people because even in this anti-diet culture that we're supposedly living in now, people are at least as crazy about their weight as they ever were. And there's even more choices. And because now we have the internet and more information, it's easy to get wrapped up in so many different kinds of things. There's a lot of conflicting information. You really have to pick through and sort what makes right. sense for you. Everybody's body is different. Yeah. Find out what works. That's so cool. And I'm I glad you did that. Is we want an overnight solution and there is no overnight solution. It takes years of practice to create a weight problem and it takes a long time to resolve it. And it's a you have to be very patient with yourself. I mean, I think the three most important ingredients of a successful healing are curiosity, just, you know, like open-minded curiosity, like, well, let's just poke around and see what's happening here yeah. without judgment. And then compassion towards yourself, because you'll see things that are mortifying, but you might as well see them then stuff them down. The, um, Third thing is patience to consider any failures as information, learn Learn. and move on. Exactly. Yeah. For anything, that's really important. There's never no failures, just learning. Exactly. So, you know, I see this as a process for solving almost any problem that you have in life, that, that you have to approach it with curiosity and compassion and persistence and experience 
each step, step by step as you move along. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure all these- Think of it as a journey. Yes, for sure. And uh, like you say, and all of these points can be used for any kind of problems or challenges that you're going through for sure. And it's so important to always be looking to improve ourselves as we age. You know, this uh, podcast is all about women doing things later in life. And uh, thank you for making, keeping that promise to yourself to write your book. I mean, 40 years later, that's fantastic. And that's what I always say. It's never too late. So it's really exciting. And so that cherry pie was the inspiration for the name of your book. Right. And so the other thing that I did just finished actually was a workbook to go along with Mm. the book because the book is an easy, fun read and people usually breeze through it in a day or two and enjoy it. And there's, I get these notes. I just, I loved it. It was so much fun. And it was, I had all these ahas and I'm like, that's fantastic, but you need to do the work. Right. And so the workbook allows you to take the time to do, there's an exercise at the end of every chapter of some sort to do the work step-by-step and then maybe even repeat some of the material over and over until it kind of sinks in. Yeah, for sure. Because there must be triggers that come up with a lot of your areas, why you snack, why you you know can't clean your, you always have to feel like you need to clean your plate, all those kinds of things, right? Yeah. 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 And then there's special, you know, occasions that throw us like the holidays, Mm -hmm. you know, we have this program and we're doing really well. And then it comes Thanksgiving and Christmas and, and then the new year and we have resolutions and all of that is happening. And we have, we think that that's a different, requires different tools, but in fact, it's the same thing, just more of it and more careful. Yeah, it's hard because food is also associated with celebration and being with family and all those things, birthday parties, Christmas, any kind of celebration. Mm-hmm. And, and that does make it a little trickier. And then you have all the family emotions on top of your food emotions. Right. Yeah. yeah. We find ways to tell ourselves stories about why we had to make brownies or fruitcake or whatever for everybody in our life rather than. I don't know, candles or something. And then of course, when we've made the brownies or the fruitcake or the cookies or whatever, we've eaten half of them. And then we're like a willing victim. I mean, we do a lot of willing victimhood. That's one of the, what I call pirates of resistance is there's a bunch of them, like the willing victim, the, the well-deserved. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Well-deserved. That sounds like oh, a good the well-deserved. One. That's yeah. That's at the end of the day or at the end, whatever you've made a certain amount of effort, you have to treat yourself. And so the well-deserved is sinking back into the couch with a bag of Cheetos or whatever your treat is. And you just have to catch yourself. Oh, that's, that's the well-deserved again. Uh, Yes. Or that glass of wine. The glass of wine. (laughs) Right. The glass of wine allows the well-deserved to come forward. And then there's the vacationer, which is kind of a version of, of the well-deserved or no, the vacation is more like all bets are off, you know, right. I've been good all, well, it is a version yeah. of the well-deserved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it's like, oh, I'm on vacation. I'm only away for a week. You know, yes. I can do right. whatever I want and yeah. figure yeah. it out when I get back. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. man, that's crazy. Yeah. And so um, what do you think is the most important piece that, that people will get from reading your cherry pie paradox? I think it's the realization that it's going to take time and effort. And being uncomfortable with some of the things that you learn about yourself, which 
aren't uncomfortable once you actually look at them. They're much much smaller and more human and common than you think. And you think you're uniquely evil and have much less willpower than anybody in the whole planet. But in fact, you're you're just a human being, and and it, you just have to keep getting back on the on the horse. I actually have an an image in the book of the rocket ship going to the moon, and the rocket ship has a system called the inertial guidance system that when the rocket gets slightly off course, the system just says, oh, you're, you know, you're a little bit far to the left, go to the right, you're a little far to the right, go to the left, and eventually it gets to the moon or wherever it's going. But we have an interference from our negative talking, self-talk, which says, you had one donut, you might as well have another, and then, oh boy, all is lost. And then your rocket is off in... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, way off course and really right. hard to get back on. And you just have to course correct without the the back talk, the negative. It's yeah. all over. You've lost it. You might as well give up. Yeah. Um, and it's been, do you think there's been much change in sort of the diet culture? I mean, since you've got in way back in the day, you know, 70s, and now, you know, we're up to almost 2023. Do you think much has changed, really? I think we talk a change. But I think that many people, women, look down at their, you know, they try on a new pair of jeans or whatever, look down at their waist and go, oh, my God, I'm so fat. And I think that that is just a deeply embedded part of our culture. And so there's that. So I think there's still that conversation that we have with ourselves, even though at the same time we're promoting body positivity. And there are many people who've who've gotten to the place where they really are okay with however, whatever their size is and kudos. But the other thing that I see happening is what I call orthorexia. I don't call it. I mean, it's called orthorexia. And orthorexia is when you're obsessed, not about losing weight, but about eating the right things. And so Mm -hmm. it's like eating enough kale or being on a vegan diet. Or I mean, I have nothing against any of these diets or these foods but when it becomes sort of a religion, mm. that's a diet and it makes people crazy. And they're thinking about food all the time is like, is this nutrient dense enough for me? <laughs> I can relate to that because I recently have been doing more plant-based eating, but I'm never going to say I'm not going to eat meat. Like my goal is sort of 80% and I give myself that 20% because as soon as I do that and say I can't eat something, I want to eat something. Exactly, exactly. Our resistance, we do not like being told what to eat or what not to eat. And I call myself a bacon vegetarian. Yeah. (laughs) Right. All vegetables all the time, except for when there's bacon. Right. You know. I know. I mean, and I don't feel good sometimes when I eat these other foods that I used to eat, but I'll still eat them once in a while. And then I just know I got to go back to my kind of normal, whatever feels good for me. Right. And you become more aware of your body signals like this is good. This is not good for me. I think the other thing that really helps people who are angry that they can't eat as much as they used to eat or want to eat is to eat only to be a picky eater, Mm -hmm. to become much more discriminating. For instance, if you love chocolate, great, eat chocolate, but make sure it's the best chocolate. Yeah. The only way you know that it's really good chocolate is by very carefully tasting each bite of the the different chocolates you eat. 
Uh, we used to do a tasting with Hershey Kisses, huh. and people are shocked to find that it doesn't taste that great. Yeah, I know. I've never really liked them either. So yeah, I agree with you. I love that. Um, you know, buy the best food that you can possibly do on your budget right? and eat the best quality. So if you're going to eat something or even when you're like for me, when I'm eating a treat, I'd rather go and get something from the French bakery than just at my local grocery store. So at least if I'm going to even have something that's not totally on my plan, at least eat a good quality of it. Yes. And yeah. Be present while you're eating it. That's mm-hmm. the other thing. You know, people feel guilty that they're eating this thing that is, you know, it's the cherry pie or the fudge brownie. And so they kind of like try not to be aware that they're eating it. Yeah. When the best way is to really stop everything and just enjoy every single bite. Yes. Well, thank you so much for copping on with us today, Joy. What's the best way for people to get in touch if they want to chat more with you or maybe get your book? Yes. Well, my book, uh, The Cherry Pie Paradox, is on Amazon, as is the workbook, The Cherry Pie Paradox Workbook. There's much more information about me and the book at joyoverstreet.com, my website. And if they would like to have a copy of what I call the winning formula, which is not, it's just best practices, shall we say, for eating consciously and minding your internal signals. I'll be glad if they send me an email to joy at joyoverstreet.com to send them the winning formula. They can post it on their fridge and see what they can do to uh, maintain that kind of best practice. Great. So that's great. And we'll have everything in the show notes if you're you know, listening to this and can't get to your notes right now. But thank you again, Joy, for joining us today. And remember, everybody, you know, if you have that book in there that's been sitting around for 40 years waiting to be written, you know, or it's some other project that you're running to do, uh, remember, it is never too late. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please submit a rating and review and share us with your friends. Visit my website, coranaylor.com to learn more about the Emotion Code or sign up for my free virtual co-working sessions.